welcome to the Stop Over Drinking and Start Living podcast, where high achieving, goal oriented rebel women come to learn how to live a vibrant and fulfilling life without requiring alcohol to get through it. No labels, no judgments, no saying you'll never drink again, just real proven methods to help you stop rebelling against yourself with alcohol so you can drink less and do more. I'm your host, Angela Masenik. Let's dig in. Welcome to episode 216. What is emotional resiliency? Hello, hello, hello. I am so excited right now. We are, at the time of this podcast recording, only like literally exactly 24 hours in since I opened up the doors to Alive AF coaching membership and the Alive AF subscription box. And we're almost halfway sold out of the coaching membership, y'all. So I don't know if it's going to last through the end of this week. If you want to come in, you should come in. I'm going to go over some of the details of that at the end of the podcast. And of course, all the things are linked up um, here in the show notes. But in this process of me creating this new program and the subscription box and doing something absolutely brand new, I've never offered a monthly membership before. I've never sold anything retail before or like products actually online. And I definitely have never done a subscription box before. Um, it takes a lot of being willing to be uncomfortable. (laughs) And so I wanted to talk to you about this idea, this term of emotional resiliency. And I actually looked up the definition on the old Googles (laughs) of what is emotional resilience or emotional resiliency. And it says it's your ability to respond to stressful or unexpected situations and crises. The amount of emotional resilience you have is determined by a number of different things, including your age, identity, what you've experienced in your life. And I think that that's true. And I'm going to get very specific and emotional resiliency and what that means when you are going to go learn something new, try something new, put yourself out there, change your habits, change your behaviors. And of course, all of this you need to apply to looking at your relationship with alcohol. So keep that in mind as we're going through this podcast episode. And I'm actually going to begin by just telling you a story of my emotional experience yesterday, which is a few days in the past now, (laughs) by the time you're listening to this, but the day that I launched a live AF. So the day that my email was scheduled out to go to the wait list, um, and that the cart would be open basically for both the box and for the live AF coaching membership. That morning, I was extreming, experiencing very high anxiety. And I know that I was extreme, um, experiencing high anxiety because my heart was pounding. I literally felt that heart pounding vibration in my chest. Um, I felt edgy. I felt like, you know, kind of like I had too much caffeine, that kind of feeling. Um, I was probably really thirsty, like I'm trying to remember exactly what the physical sensations were, but those were the big ones, sort of this edginess, hyperness, heart palpitations, heart pounding. And I, it was so noticeable that I had to pay attention to it. And so I was like, wow, like this is pretty intense. Like, what is this about? And I paused and I put my hand on my chest and I just breathed. 
and I let myself sit with that feeling. And I've taught this to y'all in many different aspects in this podcast. If you're in my coaching programs, learning how to pause and check in and name and breathe through and process your feelings is a skill. And so I did that yesterday. And what I found that was underneath that anxiety, when I asked myself, like, where is this coming from? Why are you, why are you so anxious about this? It just brought me right back to being in middle school. Like I felt very familiar feelings of I asked this boy out to this dance when I was in middle school and he said no. And then he, I think he even made up some excuses to why, but then I went to the dance and I saw him there with another girl. And so I just, that, that for me, it was just like this real quick, like it was, I immediately connected with what that felt like. And that felt like rejection. And so the anxiety was there because I was worried very unconsciously that I was going to be rejected in this launch. Um, This is not something that I actually believe, but that was sort of like the background motor that was running. Okay. And so what I did was I just went in and I'm like, oh, wow, that's interesting. Like, it's okay if you're rejected, like you, you are living, you're putting yourself out there, you know how to handle this. Um, And this is what living in a live life looks like. It's doing big things. It's taking risks. It's putting your offers out into the world. It's being willing to be rejected. It's being willing to have an experience, a failure. And so I just kind of talked to myself that way, very gently and loving. And I breathed and I processed those emotions through and I was able to regulate myself. And so that heart palpitation and sort of stressy, anxious feeling came down, didn't completely go away, but it was so much better than what it was earlier in the day. And then I just decided, I'm like, okay, I'm going to step away from this right now. Like it is what it is. I'm releasing this over to the universe. And I went and did some food prep just to like get away from my computer. And then of course (laughs) my emails went out and then it was a huge hit and like tons of people are signing up for this thing, whatnot. And then I experienced another wave of emotions. It was almost like this relief and this, I felt nauseous like this. I was like holding in a lot of these feelings and just like waiting, like I didn't know it was going to happen. This anticipation was building, building, building. And then when, you know, everybody started signing up, it was like, you know, it was just kind of like a release of all of that. And I allowed myself to feel that too. And I checked in and I did the same process. Like I put my hand in my chest and I processed that feeling. Okay. And I got aware of that feeling and I recognized the feelings and I just acknowledged them and processed and breathed through that. And this is important for you to understand because (laughs) even me, somebody who has what I think is very strong emotional resilience. I am very in tune to how I feel. I know how to check in with myself. I know how to process my feelings. I know how to interrupt feeling a certain way and then it driving negative behavior. I know how to take care of myself, all of that, right? And it still happens. Like it still happens when I put myself out there and I do something new. And I don't think that this is a problem. This is just being a human who, like I said earlier, is going for bigger things, right? So when we go for bigger things, we tend to have bigger emotional responses to it. This is just our programming. This is how we've been designed to keep ourselves safe from any sort of external threats and dangers. And there's really no threat or danger here, right? Like I, the worst case scenarios that I put myself out there I, you know, offer something new to people and nobody buys it like, but nobody's going to die, right? (laughs) Like nothing terrible is going to happen. 
And so, but your body doesn't really know that. Your brain doesn't really know that. That's not the rational side of you. It's just like, oh, this is unknown. Oh my gosh, right? And like freak out about it. And so it's our job because we actually have a higher part of our brain that's able to observe this and notice this and check in with this can come back and sort of manage this better and interrupt the actions that we often take from those primitive type emotions that come through. Does that make sense? So fat rewind five years ago, if I was going for, um, say I was pitching a client, I used to work in advertising and pharmaceutical sales, and I worked in advertising agencies. Say there was a big project that I was in charge of, and I was going to go and pitch a hospital to use our clients, you know, our services at this agency. Um, and it was a big annual contract or something, and it was, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars with all of these resources attached. And I would go in and I would pitch this to the client and then I would feel this way, <laughs> right? Like I would feel really anxious and then I would come home from work. I wouldn't reckon, I would just know that I was anxious and would think that that's a problem, right? I wouldn't have gotten curious and like, what is, what's going on? Like, what is this about? You know, I just would have come home from work and be like, oh my gosh, I'm on the edge. I need a drink. Okay. And I would have numbed that feeling of that high anxiety, Okay. And I never would have gotten to the process of like, oh my gosh, I'm just actually scared of being rejected and work through that. And like, there's no risk here. You know what I mean? Like exactly how I work through it and how I just explained it to you. So what I would do is I would come home and numb that feeling and then go to bed. Right. And then wake up in the middle of night with sweating and heart palpitations. And I'd be pissed off at myself that I did that. And I felt like shit and I would be mad at myself. And then I would be like, I'm not drinking tonight, you know? And then I would probably like <laughs> make some green juices and like do some crazy restriction um, that day. And then by the end of the day, that anxiety never got addressed. I just threw alcohol on top of it. Now the alcohol has been processed out and I'm still there. My anxiety is still there. How I feel is still there. And I probably would be like texting my friends saying, hey, meet me up at the wine bar or telling Pete, I want to stop off before I come home from work. Or I would stop and grab a bottle of wine if I didn't have any, or I would just come home and, you know, pour myself a, a glass of wine real quick. That's the difference. And now because I have this emotional resiliency and I'm great, I have this skill set of pausing and processing and naming my feelings and not letting it um, direct my day, right? Or ruin my day or affect anything else. I ha I'm so much stronger, right? And so I'm, I feel like I'm more able to do bigger things because I know that those emotions that I have when I do big things aren't problems, right? So I'm willing to ask for the bigger sale. I'm willing to ask for things that in the past probably would have freaked me out or, or I would have been too scared to. Another example of this is having a lack of emotional resilience is that I would let fear of being rejected or somebody saying no or being mad at me stop me from even asking. And this goes way back into my childhood. <laughs> okay. I won't get into that, but an example I have as an adult is when I was working at the advertising agency and I was severely underpaid for what the kind of um, projects I was bringing in and the relationships I was having my clients. There was a male coworker there that wasn't bringing in nearly what I was and was making a third more than me. And I knew that I needed to get a raise or I deserved a raise, but I was too scared 
to ask for that because I was scared of the emotional rejection, the, the feelings that I would have if they said no. And so that fear stopped me from asking for it, for what I deserved. Are you all following me here? So I didn't have emotional resilience there because I let those feelings stop me from doing something that I had really no idea what the outcome was going to be. I just projected that they would say no and that's the outcome that would be and then I would feel like shit and then I would probably have to quit or they would be mad at me or something. Okay, so I never did ask for that. If I had more emotional resilience and I knew that that's normal to be scared and that I could handle the feelings if they said no or, or if it was the worst case scenario, I would have went in there and, and asked that. Now, you know, now where I am in my life, I would have absolutely no problem going in there and asking them for what I deserved. <laughs> and even if they said no, I would be able, I know that I would be able to handle it because of this emotional resilience that I have built over time. Okay. So bringing all that back together, those are just two different stories, right? So the first story was how I used this skill, this emotional resilience that I have to recognize these very uncomfortable, difficult feelings that came up in the process of me doing something different, something new, and how I handled that and how it didn't affect my day. Like I didn't, I wasn't running into the cabinet and eating last night. Um, I didn't totally waste a lot of energy. Like I was able to stay pretty stable and just kind of check in and process throughout the day and stay on track with what I wanted to do and take good care of myself, right? There was not like this bad outcome at the end of the day where I needed to numb or escape or hide because I was emotionally fried, right? And then in the other story, I was telling you how I didn't have emotional resilience and I wasn't able to move forward where I wanted to go or what I thought I deserved because I was scared and I let that fear, that lack of emotional resilience and what might happen, like that a negative outcome, stop me from going after what I want. And when I talk to you all about building your emotional resilience or learning how to process your feelings, and once, you know, I say this all the time, once you learn how to process your feelings, you can go for bigger things. You can, you know, go out there and make new friends. You can start a new job. You might want to write that book. You know what I mean? Like I talk about what you can do when you learn how to feel uncomfortable. This is sort of what I'm talking about. And learning how to feel and to understand your own emotions and what you do in response to them is the first step, okay? And it's the same step when you want to stop over drinking. So we need to understand where you're not willing to feel uncomfortable. So is it the end of the day when you are anxious and bored or um, lonely or exhausted? Like what emotion is there that you haven't been willing to feel and instead, you want to go escape that feeling and have drinks, right? So that's the first step when we look at changing your relationship with alcohol and building that resilience. So we start with that. We're like, okay, so I, I notice that when I'm bored, I drink. Or if I'm happy, I want to celebrate something. I want to feel more happy, so I drink. So it's like, okay, so we need to learn how to be with happy all by itself and not need to add anything to it. Or we need to learn how to feel bored and understand what that feels like in our body and move through that and process that and interrupt that pattern that boredom drives your drinking. And the more we pick away at those emotions around the alcohol, we will stop needing alcohol to deal with our lives or to make it better. Okay. 
And then once you do that, then you'll notice other areas of your life where you might be reactive to certain feelings, like in your relationships or at work or with your kids or maybe something around your past, right? And when you can check in and notice how you feel, because all everybody has triggers in their lives, <laughs> right? Everybody reacts to things. And sometimes certain people react to certain things and certain people wouldn't react to certain things, right? So we all know that this is true because just look at the political environment, look at COVID, look at, you know, big natural disasters, um, you know, mass shootings, like so many different people have different triggers and reactions around that. And so we're all different. But what we do have, everybody has our emotions, but we're all triggered by different things and everybody has different triggers in their life. You know, like it could be, you know, around your uh, marriage and your relationship with your kids and the relationship with your um, spouse and the kids. I mean, there's just so much, right? Like what gets you going? What, what do you notice in your life that you feel a big emotional response to? We all have that. And when you can learn how to be resilient to that and check in with that, understand that and learn to respect yourself around that and not make that be a problem, you interrupt those behaviors that you don't want to take. Okay. And then that's when the fun part comes in. That's when you get to be like, okay, I can feel uncomfortable, right? I can, I can work through this. Even if I fail, I know I can handle it. Right. So that's where I am five years in and I'm doing something brand new. I've never I've never done these things before. Right. I really didn't know the outcome, even though I believed really, really hard that it would be a, a huge success. And it is. I also knew that if it wasn't, I would be OK because of that work that I have been putting in and checking in with my feelings and tuning into myself and understanding myself and knowing myself, right? I trust myself that no matter what happens, I'm going to be okay. And I'm not going to run off and start drinking or totally self-sabotage or something like that. Does that make sense? So that's what's available to you when you build your emotional resilience is that you get to experience bigger things and not make it and not have it turn out to be totally like detrimental to you if it doesn't work out in the way that you think it it should, right? So if my outcome would have been like nobody signed up for these programs, you know, I would have just been like, okay, let's figure out how to sell this differently or maybe I need to tweak something, right? I would just go into problem solving mode and figure it out versus like like curling up in the corner and just closing it all down and <laughs> you know, calling myself a failure, right? So that's just sort of defining emotional resilience, why it's important, why learning about your emotions and your triggers are so helpful for you, especially when you want to change your relationship with alcohol. Because remember, when we're over drinking, it's in response to how we're feeling. The action of over drinking really isn't the problem. It's the symptom of the problem. Okay, I just wrote a blog post on this. I'm actually going to link that up in this podcast too. Overdrinking is a symptom of a bigger problem, okay? And it all comes back to us not knowing how to feel our feelings and how to have emotional resilience and understanding our triggers and all of that. So it looks at our relationships, our past, our work stuff, you know, kids stuff. Um, any sort of big life thing that's happening and our feelings around that, that's the underlying issues. It's not so much the alcohol. And in my programs, I give you a foundation and a framework to help you start cutting back right away. 
but then we get to work on the bigger stuff. And that is that building that emotional resilience, learning how to be uncomfortable on purpose, pausing and processing your feelings, learning what's happening in your mind when all of this is happening too. So you should really consider joining a live AF because we work on this inside there. It's a actually a very easy program. Um, the first emotion that we work on is urges, which is, <laughs> you know, everyone's scared of urges and urges. I have to fight the urge, resist the urge, all that. But that's the first one that we work on so that you cannot be scared of urges when you have them and you want to drink. There's tools in that Alive AF program that helps you um, understand that, understand what's happening in your brain and in your body when you have an urge. There's nothing wrong with you. And there's worksheets and there's a 30-day goal that you plan out. Um, and there's just a really easy program to get into, start to get some easy wins for yourself. You don't need to figure out exactly what your relationship with alcohol is going to look like at the beginning. You can take it week by week. We have live workshops every month. The first workshop is on, let's see what the date is. It is on March, uh, March 12th. And the kickoff workshop for the Alive AF program is changing your alcohol identity. And it's going to be a good one because we all have an alcohol identity, like who we are. I'm this fun person that drinks with my friends and da 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 da, da right? There's an identity that you have with alcohol. And to make permanent changes with your relationship with alcohol, we need to change that from the very beginning in a fun way that keeps us motivated. So that's going to be the first workshop inside the program. And then at the end of the month, we have a live group coaching call where you're going to come in and get the support from me and get coached on the things and some of the obstacles that you might be facing. And we have a private Facebook community where you can get written coaching as much as you want and connect with other members in the program. And it's all very exciting and fun and doable. We're going to have some fun challenges. And it's a no-brainer cost. It's $97 a month. And if you sign up now and pay for a year in advance, you get two months free. But we're getting close to that, um, those spots, those specific spots being full. So you want to make sure you get in on this now at the very beginning. So that's what I had to say about Alive AF, the monthly coaching program. And then if you want like real things that you can touch and feel and taste and do, you should get the Alive AF quarterly subscription box where every quarter I send you a customized um, box of all my favorite things, a non-alcoholic drink, a journal, a book, things that will support you on your journey to stop over drinking and have fun while doing it. All right, my friends, I love you so much. I believe in every single one of you. And that's all I got for you today. All right, we'll talk to you soon. Bye.